Well, we have been going through the book of Mark and the life of Jesus, and we've gotten to his crucifixion. And it is a fitting time to be there at the turn of the year, um, where we realize God's grace is new as we head into 2023. And uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to give us a, a bit of a gift. I know it's been a chaotic a week and a half or so for everyone. Uh, you have probably run this way, run that way. You've been purchasing presents, receiving presents. I got you this, and they weren't so excited about it. I went to that family reunion, and it wasn't so great. And, or I went, and it was amazing, but, uh, you know, it's been chaotic. Uh, some of you stayed up to midnight, and I normally go to bed at 10 p.m., and I stayed up to midnight last night, but that was a good football game, so it was worth it. <laughs> But what I'm going to do tonight is give us, uh, th- tonight, uh, this morning, is give us a gift. Uh, a moment, in a sense, uh, to step into the Holy of Holies. Uh, to enjoy the relationship that our God has purchased for us in the life, in the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, access to the living God when the veil was torn. So we'll get some time to enjoy our Lord this morning together. Uh, First, I want to tell us a bit of the history of the Holy of Holies in the temple, uh, and then uh, we'll take us uh, together into this moment of spending time, uh, intimate time with the living God himself. Uh, The temple and the Holy of Holies, here's a bit of the history. Uh, It goes back to Exodus chapter uh, 24. Uh, Remember, Moses has... uh, been used as God's instrument to rescue the people of Israel out of Egypt, and now they're wandering in the desert. This is the beginning of this uh, idea that God is going to dwell with His uh, people here on earth in a, in, in a bit of a, a building which they would create uh, themselves in the tabernacle. And so uh, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, and in Exodus 24 to 31, he gets the instructions for the tabernacle. This, uh, in a sense, this kind of big tent that they're going to carry around in the wilderness, uh, and in it's going to have uh, this tent of meeting with the Holy of Holies uh, in the middle of it, uh, where Moses is going to put the Ark of the Covenant and the Ten Commandments, uh, uh, Aaron's staff, so the bread of presence, some other things, and, and it's going to be where God himself is going to dwell. So he gets uh, this very kind of... Uh, uh, intricate instructions in Exodus 24 to 31, very detailed. And then in Exodus uh, 36 to 40, uh, Moses and the people uh, sew this thing together, uh, huge thick curtains and veils, and, uh, and it's a heavy thing that the, uh, they're carrying through the wilderness. And in Exodus 40, uh, when Moses dedicates the tabernacle, this is what occurs. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Uh, God himself uh, comes and dwells with his people. Uh, In in the day, he is leading them as a a pillar of smoke, and then at night as a a flames in the sky. And and he he dwells with his people uh, here in the midst of this building, this tabernacle, this tent they're going to carry around. And now fast forward a bit, uh, we're in around 900 uh, B.C., about 900 years before Jesus, and uh, this is the time of the kings, uh, Saul, David, Solomon, and the, 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 kind of the mighty three kings of Israel. 
Uh, in First Chronicles chapter 28 and 29, David says, I'm going to build a temple for the Lord. We're going to do it in Jerusalem. It's going to be a massive place where God's going to dwell with us. And God says to David, no, not you, but your son Solomon. So what they do in chapters 28 and 29 of 1 Chronicles, they gather all, like a, a whole lump of cash. I mean, David goes first and gives a ton of silver and gold, and it's all uh, recorded there in 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. They, they gather everything that's necessary to build this mighty temple in this plot of land, this kind of obscure place in Jerusalem, where uh, way back here in Genesis chapter 22 in Mount Moriah, where uh, Abraham has taken up Isaac to sacrifice him on this mount. That's the very plot of land the chronicler tells us where they're going to build this temple. Uh, where Isaac is showing his obedience, uh, or Abraham is showing his obedience to God, saying, I'll sacrifice my one and only son Isaac. And he goes up on Mount Moriah, and uh, you remember the story. God says, don't sacrifice your son when he's about to kill Isaac, but God provides uh, a ram, and they build an altar and sacrifice the ram there. And it's the same plot of land where uh, David, uh, Mount Moriah, uh, David, uh, some uh, chapters later in Second Samuel chapter 24, it purchases his threshing floor. And uh, David has sinned against God. This is kind of near the end of his reign. He's counted the people and uh, kind of uh, flexed his muscles, put his trust in himself. And the Lord says, I'm going to send this pestilence on you and the people. I'm going to kill you with a plague. And David cries out. And, and, and God says, all right, fine, I'll relent. I, I will not bring this calamity, this disaster on you. And, and David buys this threshing floor where he erects an altar as well as a remembrance of God's relenting and, and God's being with him in the midst of uh, their sin and still drawing near. So it's on Mount Moriah where Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac. It's in this threshing floor where David uh, highlights the fact that, man, he needs forgiveness of sins for God to draw near, that they're going to build this temple, and Solomon does it. And built this huge temple in Jerusalem. Uh, and in the, uh, the, the middle of it is the Holy of Holies where the tabernacle is going to rest. The mercy seat where only the high priest can go one time a year. And, and this temple is built. Uh, but then in uh, 586 B.C., uh, it's destroyed again. It's, uh, it's destroyed by the Babylonians. It's crushed. And uh, then you've got kind of these three returns out of uh, exile with Zerubbabel, uh, Nehemiah, and Ezra. And think about, you know, uh, Zerubbabel is kind of this governor. He's getting the, uh, the temple rebuilt. And then Ezra is kind of this priest. He's bringing the law back in. And Nehemiah, remember, kind of build the walls of Jerusalem, right? So uh, these three waves of returns of exiles come after Babylon has destroyed Solomon's temple. And they rebuild a, a sort of temple. It's kind of shabby, but God's presence is still there. And then we're heading closer to Jesus' time, and it gets his birth. And then around 60 A.D., you've got Herod the Great, uh, kind of his proxy uh, ruler with uh, um, Rome. And uh, he, he, he rebuilds what, what is called a Herod's Temple, right? Um, and it's massive. It's on the Temple Mount right there in the heart of Jerusalem. And and kind of looks over the small Kidron Valley and then the Mount of Olives where a couple weeks ago we looked at Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane right at the base there. He's saying, Father, would you let this pass from me? Would you let uh, my crucifixion pass? And, and the Lord says no. And, and then he's going to be crucified outside of the city in, in, in view of this temple. And then in 70 AD, it's destroyed. 
And now uh, the Temple Mount is still there, but there are two mosques on it, right? Um, a Muslim mosque right in the middle of the Temple Mount. And so uh, Court and I got to visit uh, Jerusalem, uh, Israel, a few years back. And um, uh, we, we, we were up there, and uh, we, we said, okay, let's take a picture. So uh, little did we know, you're, you're not allowed to touch. Uh, boy, uh, men and women aren't allowed to touch uh, in front of the mosque, and much less take a picture while you're touching. So actually, that's not true. We did know that. We did know that. You can't lie while you're preaching. <laughs> we did know you're not supposed to touch, and we're like, we'll just snap a quick picture. So I snap, snap a selfie, and then this guy runs over. He literally grabs my phone out of my hand. He's a guard, and he says, now the phone's mine. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's not going to take my phone. And I said, I'll delete the picture. I'll delete it. I'll delete it. He goes, okay, delete it right now. He hands it to me. I delete it, but it goes into the recently deleted file, you know. So I still have the picture. It still has the picture. Uh, uh, the point is this. Um, Solomon's temple, Herod's temple uh, don't exist there today. Uh, but, but after Solomon had built it, and it, it was glorious, and then uh, Herod the Great rebuilt it. It was even more massive and glorious. Uh, this happened. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Again, God present with his people here on earth. Uh, this is the, the purpose of the temple uh, or the tabernacle, depending on what stage of history you're in. Uh, this is uh, how it looked. Uh, this is the Temple Mount, right? That's the whole area, the mount of the temple. Remember back to Mount Moriah, down to the threshing floor, to then this huge erected um, uh, structure. A huge wall on the southern wall and the steps looking over, uh, then to the Mount of Olives. And it's, it's massive up there, but then right in the middle, that's the temple right in the middle. And then as you go, uh, you know, through the, you've got all these uh, different gates and sections where different people can go. Not anyone's allowed into different parts of the temple, into the presence of God. So you've got uh, the court of the Gentiles, a large court. And then uh, you've got the court of women, and and, uh, only Jewish men can go past here. You've got the court of the Israelites and the Jewish men. And then you've got uh, the court of priests. And And then you've got the Holy of Holies right in the middle. After you go through the temple and all these different gates right in the Holy of Holies, where this veil is. It's probably two or so feet thick. It's a massive veil. And behind it, only one time a year can the high priest go to be in the very presence of God. One time a year on uh, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, it's uh, described in Leviticus chapter 16. Uh, Here's what happens on that day. The high priest uh, comes and he offers a bull as a sacrifice for his sins and all the other Levites and the priests and their sins uh, because he he knows you you can't stand before a holy God uh, as a sinful rebel. You'll be torched. His justice, his holiness is is too mighty, too great. Uh, It squelches in our sin. The wages of our sin is death. So they offer a bull for themselves. And then they offer... uh, the high priest, as he goes in, one goat and an offering, he splatters uh, the blood all over the Holy of Holies and the altar. And, and uh, as, a, as a payment, as a blood payment for sin, for the people of God. 
And then he takes another goat, and, and he takes a goat, and, and they lay their hands on the head of the goat. And, and uh, this is all through Leviticus 16. You can read the details of this. He, he proclaims that the, the very sins of the people are put on this goat. And, and then he casts it outside of the city where it's going to wander into the wilderness and die. And so what's happening in all these sacrifices, and as the high priest goes in, uh, over and over again you're seen as lambs are slaughtered and doves are slaughtered and blood is spilled. What you're, you're feeling, what you're thinking as you're watching is, that should have been me. My rebellion, my sin, the, the things I think, the things I do, the things I don't do, the things I don't think, when I don't speak up, and all this stuff... I, I know who I am. I, I know my sinfulness before this holy God. He, he wants to give me life and relationship, but, but man, I, I rebel and I live life for myself and, and I deserve that penalty that that lamb just took for me, that, that, that goat just took for me as he wandered away. And, 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 and they took this super seriously, right? Because like, this is the reality of, of God himself, the living God dwelling amongst them and with them. So much so that this one time a year when the priest would go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies in the very presence of God where no one had access, they'd tie this rope around him. Because if he dies when he goes in there, ain't no way are we going in there after him. We're not going to step before the living God. So they're going to pull him out if he dies in there. Behind this thick, two, three foot thick wall veil, curtain. Who can go? Not many. How can you go there through all these rituals and different sacrifices to say we need to pay for our sin? How often can we go? Not very often. And all through, you know, the construction of the temples and tabernacles and all through these different sacrifices and the way that we're to approach the living God, the holy God. Now, there's these phrases that sound a lot like this where God says things like, this is the place where I will meet you where we'll be together in relationship. But not everyone was allowed in. Not everybody could go anytime. And there were a lot of constraints. Well, let's fast forward. To, this is Good Friday, and Jesus is hanging on a cross. It's the sixth hour. You know, we've, we've, we've gone through the book of Mark, and everywhere we've seen Jesus living, he's, kind of one, he's one of those guys who just lights up the room, right? He's, he's holy at every stage. If, if there's someone to be served, he serves them. If, if there's an outcast to be embraced, he embraces them. When, when somebody's being an illegalist, he says, hey, stop that. Like, he just, he's the kind of guy you want to be around. He's, he's sinless at every step. And now he's hanging on this cross. It's noon, going into 3 p.m. For three hours, it's dark, and he's hanging there. And he cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, uh, you know, the people standing around, they say, oh, he's calling Elijah. You know, they expected Elijah to return before the Savior would come. And uh, because Elijah had been caught up into heaven, remember, with his flaming chariots. And so they're saying, and he's going to come out. Even today, uh, Jews will still keep an empty chair at Passover feast for Elijah. And they're saying, he's, he's talking to Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink and said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. He's not talking to Elijah. He's talking to his father in heaven saying, why have you forsaken me? 
Why have you left me to hang on this cross as a sacrifice? Why have you left me here? And then Jesus utters a loud cry, breathes his last, and dies. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Of this thick curtain, this veil that said, you can't have access to the holy, mighty, living God is ripped in half from top to bottom as though heaven had said, you can come in now. Come on in and enjoy relationship with the living God. Why? Because the son looked up at the father and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just like all the sacrifices before, now the son is the perfect sacrifice. Uh, The theological term for this is substitutionary atonement. It's this idea that there's a substitute to make atonement or payment for our sins. If we split it up, this is super important to understand because this is why we have access to the living God. If we split it up, uh, it can be understood in two main terms, in two main ideas here. The first is propitiation. The second is expiation. This is what's occurring when Jesus climbs up on the cross. The first is propitiation. It's a satisfaction of wrath, a satisfaction of justice. That the wages of sin is death. That that there's a holy God and we all have rebelled. Every one of us, we're not pleasing to our God. That there needs to be a payment, a, a lamb slain, a dove slain. In this case, the holy son of God, the beloved one slain. To pay for the rebellion or sin of God's people. To satisfy his anger over sin and rebellion. But it's not just a satisfaction of God's anger and wrath and just anger and wrath over our sin and rebellion. It's an expiation, too, which is this idea of a removal of guilt. It's not just, oh, man, God's not angry with us anymore, but that, that we're not guilty anymore. Actually, we're holy and pleasing to God. See, see Jesus' death takes care of the anger of God as a, a satisfactory atonement or payment for our sin. But Jesus' life, his, his obedience every step of the way, all the way to the cross, full obedience, the pinnacle of his obedience is gifted to us by faith. Expiation means we're no longer guilty. Why? By faith we have received Jesus' perfect obedience, his perfection as our own. See, when you pray, when you talk to the Father and say, I I want to receive what Jesus has done, what you're saying is, I believe he was punished in my place. Your, Your just, righteous anger over my sin and my rebellion It's been paid for by Jesus, propitiation. And by faith, you're also saying, and I want to receive what Jesus has done for me in his perfect life. His absolute obedience is my very own expiation, a removal of my guilt. I'm now made holy and blameless and pure. Therefore, the the veil is ripped in half. And God says, come on in, come on in. 
You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm not angry at you. God says, I love you. Come on in. Uh, You don't have to spend your lifetime to justify yourself before me. Come on in. You're made a son or daughter by grace. You're blameless and pure. The penalty's paid. You're holy and righteous simply by receiving what Christ has done on the cross. Come on in. God's not angry. God's not disappointed. God's not apathetic towards you. God loves and desires you so deeply. Come on in. The ninth hour, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Come on in. In sum, we might say it like this, the wages of sin is death, but, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, this is kind of, <laughs> this is like a, I don't know what 2022 held, but this is like a, oh, man, I, I have the gift of eternal life through the Son of God who says, come on in into relationship with God the Father uh, by the work of the Son, and I'm indwelt by the Spirit. I'm now His temple, right? First uh, Corinthians will say, uh, your body is a temple of the living God. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 will say, this is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians uh, chapter 2 verse 20 will say you've been crucified with christ you no longer live but christ lives in you like he said i have come on into you we are his eternal life and he walks with us into 2023 we'll probably make some new year's resolutions as we head into 2023 it's kind of what you do you look back and say man I ate too, I mean, I ate too much <laughs> this Christmas break. It is time to get exercising again. Actually, I kind of kept exercising, but I still put on lots of pounds, right? Like, it, I'm, that's good. I ought to do that. Or, man, I, I, I look here and I, I miss some time with my kids that I really want to make sure I'm intentional with here in 2023. And, and man, I ought to do that, right? Like, or, or man, it, it work. I want to be more proactive in planning. Like, you might say, and I want to get after that, right? Good New Year's resolutions. I'm going to say one matters the most. Over and over again, enter the Holy of Holies with the living God. Come on in over and over again to spend time face-to-face with the living God who loves you, has given you life, and is walking with you in 2023. That's what matters most. No matter how wonderful or how terrible last year was, no, how, no matter how wonderful or terrible 2023 will be, uh, he, he has rent the veil that you could have relationship with the living God himself. That is what matters most. How's that relationship going? And, and are you coming in and towards him over and over again? I, this is captured for me in one of uh, Moses is coming towards the uh, middle of his journey here. He he is you know he's seen the Israelites rescued out of Egypt, right? He's seen the the plagues. He's seen the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, he's seen some amazing things. If he looked back at his year, he'd say, 
That was a year of years. I mean, that was awesome. I mean, when the Red Sea parted, whoa, God, right? Amazing stuff. He's up on Mount Sinai. He's receiving the instructions of the tabernacle, as we talked about. He's receiving uh, the Ten Commandments. And then he comes down in Exodus chapter 22, and the people are worshiping this golden calf. And he hears it, and he's like, oh, my gosh, right? And, and he's so mad, Moses, as he throws down the tablets that the Lord's just given him, they shatter, right? He's going to have to redo them. <laughs> And the Lord is angry too, right? We're a sinful people. We're just like this group. And the Lord is going to blot them all out. And, and then Moses is kind of interceding with God for the people. And, and finally God relents, right? He says, okay, fine. You can still go into the promised land. It's going to be an amazing 2023. Like you can, I'm a, you'll go there. It's going to be great. And listen to what God says to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, this is Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, and the people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I'll give it. And I'll send an angel before you, and I'll drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. He's saying, he's saying look, go into the land of milk and honey. It's going to be awesome. Go. The Lord says to Moses, but verse 3, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you. I'm not going, God says. Lest I consume you on the way for your stiff-necked people. And the people heard this disastrous word. They mourned. The people here, it, he's not going with us. <laughs> We're going to go into the promised land. It's going to be amazing, but, but God's not going with us. They, they mourn at this disastrous word. Now Moses, he's going to go, he's going to talk more with the Lord uh, because he's going to plead with him, please go with us. And, and Moses said to the Lord, See, you, you say bring up the people, but you've not let me know uh, whom you will send with me. Yet you said, I know you by name, and you've also found favor in my sight. Now, now therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I might know you in order to find favor in your sight. He's like, you say you're not going with us, right? Would you please come with us? Show me favor. Consider this too. This nation, they're your people. And God said, all right, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to God, if your presence will not go with me, then don't even bring us up from here. Isn't that awesome? And Moses says, look, we might be going some all, like job promotion, family flourishing, amazing stuff. But if, if we're not tight, if you're not coming with me, God, I don't even want to go. It's you I care about most. It's, it's you I want relationship with most. I, I want to enjoy and deepen and, and, and grow more in love with, more obedient to you. If you're not going, I don't even want to go. So how, how, do, we, how do we do this, right? Well, first of all, we talked about the fact the Lord already dwells in us, is faithful to us. Uh, but a couple ways we, we spend, in a sense, face-to-face -face time with the Lord. It, one is just coming on Sundays, making a priority. Any Sunday that I am here in town, I'm going to worship. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there in person. I'm going to be uh, singing songs to my God about who he is and what he's done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come with a, a humble and receptive heart to say, Lord, speak to me in your scriptures that I'd be transformed, that I'd, I know you more, I love you more, and I'd follow you more. Where you're going, Lord, I want to go. I want to hear from you and follow you. Making Sunday mornings is a priority. In a sense, entering the Holy Holies. It's not about a building. It's, it's about being with the Lord, hearing from His Word, and responding in obedience by His grace. And another is simply just carving out time each day to sit with Him. In the Scriptures, sit with Him in prayer. Get to know Him. Um, you might say, well, I, I just don't know how to do that, right? I, I don't know how to spend time with the Lord. and, and he's, He may have opened up this access to relationship with Him, but I've got no idea how to do it. The first is simply like we talked about, receiving what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And then in that relationship, it's, it's sitting with Him. I, I can't have my phone anywhere near me. Uh, I can't have anything electronic near me when I'm sitting with the Lord. I just get out a journal and a, a paper Bible <laughs> and my abacus, you know, just... I go back in time to just a paper Bible and a, a, a paper journal and a pen, and I write down, I spend time with the Lord. And, and what we provided for you in the back is maybe this is the year you say, hey, I'm going to start taking notes. I'm going to start hearing from the Lord, writing it down. And we've got these two different ways just to read and interact with God in his scriptures. One's called the soap, uh, soap method, one's called the grow. What, soap is just a simple way to get into the word, hear from God, and respond to him. And then grow goes a little bit deeper. May, uh, you know, maybe you've been studying scriptures a little longer. It'll help you get a little bit deeper with some extra questions and ideas in it. Uh, we suggest the ESV Study Bible, that you'd, you'd have a great resource that could help give you guidance as you're reading the scriptures throughout the week. Or do what uh, your 3Ds and community group are doing as the guides we provide in the scriptures. A time with them, an intentional place with them, knowing what you're going to read and how you're going to pray. It's as simple as that. If you want to kickstart to this, uh, this Friday we've got a silent retreat. You can take half the day off or the full day off and spend time with the Lord. We'll have these guides there. And please snag one of these guides regardless if you can make it Friday at the back table. These reflect and resolve guides that will help you spend time with the Lord as you look back at the past year and then resolve to walk with Him uh, closely and intimately in this coming year. Uh, this coming year might hold calamity for you or it might hold just uh, amazing moments you might, you might step into a job promotion you didn't expect, and you say, praise God. <laughs> or you might step into cancer. I got a phone call about both of those situations this past week, right? Like uh, one of our core members of the church who were here at the very beginning, they moved off to California, and just two days ago, get a call that uh, they're stepping into cancer, and it was totally unexpected, and they're literally going into surgery. But you know what? They're going into it with the Lord. Look, look, he's with us, right? He's faithful. He's with us no matter what. But are our eyes on him? Are we stepping into the Holy of Holies knowing he's there, holding hands with him, linking arms with him, that he might carry us in our suffering and rejoice with us in our joys? Are we enjoying the relationship that God has purchased for us in Christ his Son? All right. I want to give us that gift right now. In the midst of the chaos of Christmas and New Year's and everything, I, I want us to step into the Holy of Holies for a minute or two. Uh, if you are able to, I, I'd suggest uh, kneeling. You know, I do this every year uh, where 
Our family gets together. I've told you about this multiple times. And we'll look back because the first thing that hits when we say, hey, we want to spend more time with the Lord intentionally is, oh, guilt, right? Oh, man, I never do that. I fall way short in this. But then what happens is even in our guilt, when we look back, what we see is even when we weren't really walking that intimately with him, he was still being super faithful and loving, beckoning us towards himself. You know, so what we always do, we, just, we take a rock from the most important things that happened this past year. Some are really tough things and some are really amazing things. And, and we're right when like this, it goes all the way back to our wedding, right? 072603, almost hitting 20 years here. And this, this stone is from uh, the church building where we got married. Uh, right out front, we snagged it. Good thing, because that place actually got struck by lightning and burned to the ground. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. It was like the first fruits of marriage or something. <laughs> but we, we, we look at this and we say, God, you've been so faithful over the years. And we'll tell stories of these different stones at the turn of the year. And then this one's from Wind River. Just this past year, I get to hike in the backcountry with my son. Man, what a time. Uh, this one, the girls put this one in, girls' gangster getaway. That was, <laughs> they called it that. Our daughters got together with some friends and, uh, and their moms and all, all hung out together. It was a sweet time. The Lord met them. So what I want us to do is to look back at our past year together. Go ahead and kneel with me. Step into the Holy of Holies here. Acknowledge the fact that our God is with us. He's been faithful. He's with us right now. And with your eyes closed, go ahead and invite him here. He's already here. He's invited us here to worship him. But in an invitation, we are readying our minds and our hearts to meet with the living God right now. I talk to him. Ask him to meet you now. As you turn your eyes towards him, as you step into the Holy of Holies and acknowledge his presence, his love, his faithfulness, invite him now to meet you. Father, we, your children, are here to meet with you now. Would you meet us? Uh, some of us feel guilty about not living up to the standard we want to live up to before you. Would you remind us of your grace? Some of us are striving to validate our lives by our accomplishments. Would you remind us of our sonship or that we are your daughter? Some of us are, are, think you're apathetic towards us. Would you remind us that you've been with us and active with us in faithfulness and grace this past year? Would you meet us now? Spend some time talking with him now. Was there a major high or a major low this past year? A moment of rejoicing or grieving? 
talk with him now about it or listen to him in it. God show himself in the major spheres of your life, your family, or your vocation, or your singleness, or your marriage? Where, where did he show up? What did he show about himself in these major spheres of your life this past year? God meet you as you worshipped him on Sunday mornings or heard from his scriptures or met him in community group or 3D or, or someone else in the church body? How, how did he speak to you or reveal himself in scriptures or times with his church this past year? particular relationship that shaped your life this past year that he worked through in 2022, a particular person or relationship that either encouraged or challenged or convicted or supported you? with him over a way that he worked through you and the way you served someone or something you shared with someone or the way you met a need in someone else's life. Rejoice with him over the way that he's poured out his grace, not just to you, but through you this past year.
heard you pray a lot about this past year and how did God respond? Yes, I know. show himself to be this past year? Or what major idea do you want to talk with him about or decision or event? And somewhat what wraps up this past year with you and your God? Talk to him about that. Listen to him and Now turn your heart and your mind towards this coming year and, and pledge to God your presence with Him in the coming year. Certainly He is with you. He dwells in you. But, but pledge to Him face-to-face -face time where you sit with Him in worship here with a, a heart of humility to listen and respond to His grace. A pl pledge to Him um, the time and the place and what you'll read and when you'll read and how, how you'll listen. What chair will you sit in? What time of day that, that you'll meet with him each day? Pledge to him. Talk to him about how you want to walk closely with him in this coming year to be aware of his presence, his faithfulness, his strength, his power, his might. Talk to him about the coming year. up your conversation with God and uh, when you're ready uh, go ahead and stand and we'll uh, pray together corporately to, to close together this time I'll do my best to uh, lead us in unison here in, in prayer and closing. Uh, let's pray this out loud all together at, at once. Um, let's pray. My God, my God, you have never forsaken me. You welcome me in and call me your son. Thank you for being with me, sustaining me, working through me, showing me your faithfulness this past year. I love you.
when you're ready on your own, be reminded of why you have this access, this relationship to the living God. Uh, take and eat uh, his body. That was a reminder of uh, his body broken for you. And drink uh, the cup as a reminder of his blood spilled for you. That through Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, we have access to the living God by grace. No matter what 2023 holds, it might hold amazing things and really hard things. Uh, you'll walk it together with the living God. Take it in when you're